When fear makes your choices for you, no security measures on earth will keep the things you dread from finding you. But if you can avoid avoidance, if you can choose to embrace experiences out of passion, enthusiasm, and a readiness to feel whatever arises, then nothing, nothing in all this dangerous world can keep you from being safe. Martha Beck Hello, emetophobes and therapists. Welcome to episode lucky 13 of Emetophobia Help. I'm Anna Christie, recovered emetophobic licensed psychotherapist specializing in emetophobia and your host for this podcast. Today, my guest, um, hopefully nothing horrible has happened to her, but I have not heard from her. So I'm going to do another uh, monologue, short one today. I thought that I would talk to you a little bit about avoidance behaviors and safety behaviors. Let me begin by saying that we don't really know what causes emetophobia or any phobia. What we do know is that it is a perfect storm. In other words, there are a number of contributing factors. Emetophobia, almost without exception, begins in childhood. Um, it is usually about 50% hereditary. Uh, at least the tendency toward either anxiety or depression is usually hereditary. So you're kind of born with a tendency to to get one or the other, uh, some sort of anxiety disorder or phobia, unfortunately. And the rest happens sometimes in childhood before we're even aware, uh, before we're verbal and we're even aware of what's going on. So we don't know exactly what causes it, but we do know one thing that is a major contributor to it and is the ultimate cause of keeping it going for years and years, and that is avoidance behavior and safety behaviors. They are similar. So let me just explain for a moment. Avoidance behavior is obviously things that you avoid. So in other words, if you're afraid of puppies, you will avoid puppies. You will not go to the dog pound. You won't go to anybody's house that has a puppy. You won't probably go walking in your neighborhood uh, in the evening because people walk their dogs and their puppies. So you'll, you'll avoid dogs because, um, it feels better to avoid what you're afraid of. With emetophobia, we're going to avoid getting sick, obviously, and we're going to avoid sick people, but we also avoid a number of other things. The more you avoid what you're afraid of, the worse your phobia gets over time. So while avoidance feels good in that moment, in fact, it feels too good. Um, it, it still is going to make your phobia worse. So for instance, you're going to a birthday party for your child. Uh, parents are invited. You arrive there and they say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, this child, he's better now, but, but he was sick all last night. You are going to want to avoid the situation by leaving the party which you will do, <laughs> I, I assume, um, unless you're really working on trying to get over this. But 
generally what I would have done when I had emetophobia and what everybody else does is you go home. As soon as you decide to go home and you get out of the house with your child and into the car, you are going to feel so much better. You're going to feel great. In fact, you're going to have this huge sense of relief and almost happiness. Uh, there's almost a joy kind of feeling. It's it's endorphins, it's dopamine, it's all these great hormones that make you feel so good. And that kind of solidifies in your brain, the part of your brain that keeps you from danger. Um, boy, it sure feels a lot better to go home than it does to stay at the party. So we're going to make sure that we always go home that we always avoid whatever it is. You could stay at the party, in fact, kind of white knuckling your way through the party um, where you're just, you know, your eyes are darting back and forth like you're some kind of robot and you're watching everybody and you're especially watching the kid that was sick the night before. Um, if he looks the least bit pale or anything like that, you're so hyper vigilant. Your mind won't even be clear. Other parents will be chatting about soccer and, and you'll be nodding and smiling, but you haven't got a clue what they're talking about because you're, you're hyper focused on, um, is that child touching something? Is my child going to touch it next? Is my child going to put her hands in her mouth and all that sort of stuff? So you're going to white knuckle it all the way through the party. And some people call this exposure um, and they think it's good for them. But the problem is you're going to get in the car at the end of the party and how are you going to feel? You're going to feel great. You're going to exhale oh, like finally, I'm out of there. Thank God I made it through this entire party and nobody got sick and my child didn't go near that other child and he didn't touch anything that she touched or, or whatever. It'll feel so good that the next time you're in that situation, your mind is going to be screaming at you to leave. Just go home, just get in the car because when you get in the car, you're going to feel great. So how do we fix this? Well, very slowly and carefully is all I have to say about how to fix it. But let's talk about some avoidance behaviors. Um, uh, so you can maybe write down this list and uh, or and kind of figure out whether it's you. I've made a little list here. I'm just going to whip through the list. <laughs> you can always back up the podcast if you want to check it over. So here's what you probably avoid. Sick people, children, hospitals, nursing homes, nauseous people, foods you would otherwise enjoy, restaurants, car rides, public transit, boats, planes, junk food, eating too much, theme park rides, doorknobs, elevator buttons, school, work, socializing, homes where people were sick, alcohol, marijuana, drinking parties, kid parties, family gatherings, bars, church, theater, concerts, meetings, public bathrooms, toilets, crowds. Okay, that's my that's the list I put together. Uh, if there are other things that you can think of that you avoid, you can write them down on, the, on your list. Okay, that's avoidance. What is a safety behavior? Safety behavior is a type of avoidance, but it's something that you do in order to keep you safe as opposed to avoidance is something you don't do, like you walk away. So for example, the most common safety behavior is you feel nauseous, you're going to take that prescription Zofran on Dancitron that you got from your doctor. Um, 
or you're going to take gravol, Dramamine, something you got over the counter. That will ensure that you don't get sick, so it, it will keep you safe, you believe. You are safe, but this is what this is what you believe. The problem with a safety behavior is, how does it feel once that drug kicks in? Well, it feels fantastic. Your nausea goes away, so you feel great. You feel that sense of relief and almost joy, uh, this euphoria, which is, again, those brain hormones, uh, chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, epinephrine, all the good stuff uh, comes flooding into your brain and you feel great. Unfortunately, this makes your phobia worse because it solidifies in the part of your brain responsible for keeping you out of danger that had you not taken that safety behavior, had you not done that safety behavior, taken that drug, you would have been sick and that would be incredibly dangerous. That's that's the what's happening in your brain. So you're going to you're going to continue to need a safety behavior in order not to feel sick so that the part of your brain responsible for your survival for keeping you from danger doesn't keep um being triggered and and giving you this terrible panic and making you feel awful so i'm going to list uh, a whole bunch of safety behaviors just in case you haven't thought of any of these <laughs> Um, and they're not in any particular order. So here we go. Pacing back and forth, taking a drive in the car, mints, gum, hand sanitizer, carrying a plastic bag with you, essential oils, smelling mint or eucalyptus or something like that, googling your symptoms, googling restaurants for virus outbreak or virus outbreaks, throwing out food, uh, such as things that don't look right or you've checked the date and you think it's not good. Asking needling questions of other people. Oh, they were sick? What what happened? What was wrong with them? Were they sick? Did they throw up? You know, those kinds of things. Or how do you feel? You think you might be sick? On and on. Tranquilizers like Xanax or Ativan, um, things like that. Touching wood or some other superstition. Overcooking your food, especially chicken. Prescription antiemetics, as I mentioned before, over-the-counter stomach medicines, Pepto-Bismol, Tums, all that stuff. Ginger, ginger tea, ginger candies, raw ginger, ginger ale, other soft drinks, sipping water, ice, ice packs, going outside for fresh air, alcohol, heat, heat packs, warm baths, hand washing more than 10 times a day, seeking reassurance from other people like calling your mom or asking your partner, um, do you think this food is okay? Will I be sick, et cetera, et cetera. Facebook and social media support groups. I'm panicking. I've, I've noticed this. I've seen that. I'm freaking out. Someone reassure me. Um, having someone be with you, such as your mom or your significant other, rationalizing in your own mind you won't be sick, telling yourself to calm down so you don't get sick, lying down alone or with someone else, breathing, relaxing so you won't feel sick, 
praying that you won't get sick, making a bargain with God that you don't get sick, doing some other rituals so you won't be sick, controlling other people, telling them how to cook, telling them to wash their hands, etc. Distracting yourself are keeping busy. Okay, that's the end of my list. You may have other things on your list. So, avoidance behavior makes your phobia worse. Safety behaviors make your phobia worse. But probably, if I'm guessing right, the thought of stopping avoiding or giving up your safety behaviors really scares you. So, what how, what can you do? Well, what you, you can do is make a nice long list of each thing like like I just read off that you know make your own list of your own things that you avoid or safety behaviors and then put them in order so of thinking about giving them up from the most difficult to give up to the easiest to give up and the easiest won't be easy easiest won't be easy you can go to my um website and click on self-help, you can go down and find some relaxation videos on YouTube that you can practice just laying for 20 minutes and allowing your body to get into a really calm, relaxed state. And if you practice that for long enough, I tell my clients 90 times, that's nine or zero uh, times, and you don't have to listen to my two 90 times because there are a lot more on the internet but and on Google, um, YouTube, sorry, as long as they're guided relaxation and someone is taking you through their large muscle groups head to toe. 90 times and you'll get quite good at it. Then you might be able to say, you know what, I think I could give up that safety behavior and just breathe <laughs> and just relax and uh, as long as breathing and relaxing isn't a safety behavior on its own. But um, if the breathing and relaxing is keeping you from freaking out and not keeping you from being sick, then it's okay. It's okay to use. You can also get a little bit anxious. It's hard to um, lean into the fear as opposed to avoiding, you know, leaning back, I call it avoiding. Whereas if you lean in a little bit, like I'm going to approach that thing um, and I'm not going to white knuckle through it. I'm going to be relaxed. I'm just going to be able to uh, not avoid it, just do it and be okay. So if you can put those things in order and you can slowly work at giving them up one after another, after another, that will be go a long way in helping you. So if you're not able to afford therapy or a lot of therapies haven't worked for you, you can try this on your own time, set your own agenda um, for how you're going to do it and when. You can write in a calendar. That would be cool. Like today, I'm going to stop bargaining with God. Um, tomorrow, you know, or next week, you can you can tackle one a week if you want doesn't cost anything, and it cannot hurt you. So good luck to all of you. I'm sorry that I didn't have an interesting guest for you this week, but hopefully next week we'll be talking um, with a very interesting guest, and I will see you then.